night on Saturday as the Raw pulled off the highlight win of their season. Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review, back for another week for the DFS Fan Network. It's James Scott and Adam once again, and we're very happy to welcome a voice that will be familiar to a few of you, Football Queensland commentator and Brisbane City media man, Simon Smale. Welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. Good to see you, Simon, James, Adam. Big, big debut for us. So. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get started with our segment one A-League wrap, because... Quite frankly, that's a fantastic win for us to talk about and one that we absolutely all saw coming. I definitely did not predict a 3-1 Sydney loss, uh, Sydney win last week. Someone who did pick a win, though, was Scott. What was your take on the game? Well, that was a fluke on my behalf to pick that, but it was... <laughs> I was just set pieces for the Raw, which is uncommon to say the least to get to, but it was actually a pretty good performance from them. I think they defended really well, given they had North and Papadopoulos out with Pepper and Bowles in there, I think... A lot of people had low expectations of what would happen in this game, but they defended really well. Simon, what did you take away from the game? Well, I have to admit, being very surprised, I was otherwise engaged <laughs> at a Brisbane City game on Saturday, and I admit to being surprised when I saw 1-0 was the score, and then even more surprised when 2-0 flashed up. But having said that, Sydney aren't having a great run of things at the moment. Uh, I don't know if it's the distraction um, that's going on behind the scenes with the coaching, or the inevitable coaching change. It, I don't know, but it... it it was probably a good time to play Sydney if there is such a thing this year, and it looked like it paid off for them. Definitely. Adam, we were, well, the three of us were actually at, uh, was it Perry Park yeah, watching Perry Park, the Raw yeah. Youth team in action, and we were all a little bit surprised when we got the notification and went to Foxtel Go to see what happened. Yeah, look, it's, um, <laughs> look, I sort of said last week that, you know, you've got to take opportunities, and, you know, to, to, Take to finally take a score for a corner after what was it two hundred and seventy something, like two almost two years worth, and well, that was the first surprise. And being Matt McKay being the one to actually score the header, that was a big surprise. But then Jacob Pepper scoring the second goal was even. <laughs> I think the, I think the bookies cleaned up on the first first second goal <laughs> markets on Saturday night. I didn't actually check that at work, but anyway. <laughs> It Just was, on those goals, the marking yeah. on that first competition was absolutely horrendous from Sydney. I mean, I know they've had their problems, but that's ridiculous. Yeah. If you actually watch it, watch it because Matt McKay is outside the edge of the box, and he goes in, and it's five seconds there on the edge of, edge of that six-yard box. No one near him. And it's it was absolutely a well-taken header, too. It was well-taken header, yes. Yeah, very sloppy from Sydney. You, 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 that's the sort of thing that coaches just <laughs> grinds them a little bit, and I think Arnold would have... Um, you know, had a bit of a twitch uh, <laughs> explain that one. It doesn't take much with Graham Arnold. No, admittedly, yeah, that is true. <laughs> but what surprised me there was, I think it was Brenton Speed highlighted this on Twitter, where that was an area that had been identified as potentially one to exploit, where having someone standing at the near post ready for either a flick on or a direct turn a goal, and yeah, managed to fire it in the near post. Look, it was yeah, it was yeah, it caught everyone by surprise, I think, and that's. Uh, but like I said, it looked looked rehearsed 
to a certain point, and especially the second goal as well, the the sort of long sort of free kick across the frontage, they cut back. That that also as well. That, it looks like that the, the Roy actually spent, may have spent the two weeks off actually, you know, doing something worthwhile like set piece and set piece training and t- devising some things. And we might have actually laughed at Brett Holman's comments in the build up to that game, saying, "Oh, we've identified an area to exploit Sydney," but quite clearly he was onto something. Yeah, it's only the sixth goal they've conceded from a header um, this season of their 19 goals, Sydney. Like, I mean, I don't know if that is a weakness per se, but yeah, it, it clearly was something they've been working on because it, it, it well, the results speak for themselves. Well, they were working on that. They weren't working on the celebrations, though, because that, that, that was rubbish, that. I'm so glad Pepper scored just for that video to come out because that's fantastic. That was, that was a highlight of the night. If the Royal listeners, can you please just release them all at the end of the season? <laughs> Possibly the presentation yes. dinner, actually. Yeah, yeah. But what, what also like, came out for me there was the fact that like, the delivery was just spot on. Yeah. Like, for both of those, they had a spot to target. And what cannot be overstated is the work from Ivan Franish to set up Jacob Pepper there and the fact that Pepper managed to get back up after finding himself on the ground. Yeah, look, you know, it's, 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 I guess, the most unlikely of goal scores, as we said. But you now what, you know, Gorham, he has sort of had the confidence to get there, get his first goal and celebrate, he did. We've talked about being a squad player before. This is exactly what you want from a squad player. Somebody who hasn't played a lot of football lately, but comes in and does an excellent job. It's, he's done really well there. Exactly. He's done himself no harm in terms of getting a contract next year, potentially. And the fact, then, that Sydney had to chase again, which is something that they haven't had to do a whole lot over the last couple of years. But in terms of... Fantastic timing. The first two goals at Perry Park, I believe, were actually at the yeah. same time as the two <laughs> Raw goals. So while we were busy trying to catch up on updates from the Raw, oh, the ball's in the back of the net in, right in front of us. Yeah, so oh. don't ask me what happened at Perry Park on Saturday because I haven't got a clue. <laughs> we're saving that for segment yeah. two. But then uh, the VAR came up and worked in Brisbane's favour where it ruled out Alex Wilkinson's goal off the header. So... Look, we've it's always loved to VAR London. on the Brisbane Football Review. We're totally in favour of it, at mm. least for the next six days. <laughs> Till Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look, it's again, like, it's one of those ones, it, it was not much in it. And look, if, if it had stood, you know, pre-VAR, I could live with that. Um, look, again, VAR looking for the most minuscule things, looking for a reason to take goals away. You know, it's not great. You know, for once, at least, if it was in Brisbane Royals' favour and against Sydney, but that's about as, as you know, positive as it gets. Because it's Are you pretty... suggesting it's pro-Sydney and anti-Brisbane? Mm. <laughs> You've been on that's, that's, a, that's a good tinfoil hat you're wearing there, so, Adam. What we're learning from that is Adam's been on Twitter at some yeah. stage of the season. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, look, it seems so. Uh, well, that's, if you take the Sydney Sydney sort of uh, the way they carried on, as, as if a murder was committed. So. Yeah, it's not really mm. what I'd like to see from VAR no. getting down to that sort of minute level, but frankly, up, it worked help. out for the Raw, so I'm it happy worked. with it. Shut up. Well, this is one of the things that Aloisi has been sort of complaining about all year, that some of these marginal calls have gone against the Raw. And so when, admittedly, a marginal call goes for the Raw, you you know, you do have to take take that, you know, it's rough with the smooth. And these are the, you know, this is the benefit of VAR. And if if this is, like you say, those marginal calls, it's so, it, it is a bit hit and miss and does that take the spontaneity and the joy out of the occasion who knows but um but yeah like you say watching the sydney players complain for that long was i'm not <laughs> sure it balances it out yet either sydney did manage to get a goal back in the second half though and i was listening not watching the commentary while driving home from 
uh, Perry Park. And from the sounds of it, it was uh, Ninkovic just dead on the right spot. At... Yeah, he was straight at the back post. Yeah. About a yard out. Couldn't miss. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm fairly certain there's a few players that would have found a way to miss, one of which is sitting in the same chair as me right now. But yeah. Yeah. he missed for Newcastle back in the day at Suncorp in that last round game. Oh, I know Lachlan yeah. Jackson was involved with yeah, it too. Yeah, was that, it was that game. I can't remember who missed. It was someone, anyway. Anyway, yes. Yeah. It wasn't uh, look, I guess so. the only thing is that I guess the lead-up to that goal was a bit sort of disappointing. You know, sort of Jack Hinger going in and and um, sort of you know, scything down Ben Wall and you know, in the corner there, like a you know, young centre-back. I didn't know he would do much damage, which actually set up the free kick. So look, that's, at the end of the day, again, those things happen and they, they took the opportunity. But um, yeah, it's a little disappointing sort of the way that Jack Hinger went into that challenge. But still... And more importantly, the Raw held on, though, and one player that was not happy throughout the game was Alex Brosk, which, again, is so out of character for him. He was yelling and wound up... Oh, it's kind of weird to make the judgment off the footage, but he spat, his head was pointing in the direction of the referee, but he was a good 30 metres away. So I don't really think there's a whole lot of it. I know they tried to make a big deal out of it, but was there anything to it? I... I, I mean, I've only seen this in isolation and, and, and the relative well, the various highlights and then the various sort of memes that have come out. I, I just, it, it's not a good look. Like, there's no doubt about that. Whether or not, yeah, I mean, whether or not you're aiming, players spit. We all know yeah. that yeah. players spit just in general. Whether or not it's aimed at anyone in particular, I, I, in fact, you could you could argue either way. That was a borderline VAR borderline case. I don't know it. Uh, it's just not a good look. Like, no. if you'd been any closer, then you'd have a much harder yeah. time arguing against the suspension, but the fact that there wasn't any is, yeah. is fair. The distance between them is what is, for me, the difference, because Papadopoulos to Simon is on people bring up, but yeah. that was much much closer. And yeah. what sort of jumps out for me, if I, I'm loathe to defend Alex Brosk on anything, really, yeah. but you do kind of wonder if he'd just sort of gone off in a little bit of a daze after losing his mind yelling and was just sort of staring in that direction. I, again, don't get me wrong, I would have yeah. loved to have seen Alex Bross take it as a Brisbane fan, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, look, for me, you know, the comparisons that they're out there, you know, you should go suspension him at Papadopoulos, that's, that's ridiculous. But, look, I, I, look to me, it's dissent. And I, and something Did should you have get been a yellow card for dissent. No, I don't. I don't think so. I can't, I can't remember. I don't recall because again we were watching yeah. it at you know, Perry Park, so haven't really sustained it. But yeah, look for me, it was an obvious dissent. He like something happened, and and that to get off with nothing, that to me it's not a good look. But the whole, I'll oh, give him seven weeks or a life ban or death sentence or whatever. I think, yeah, I think all those is sort of, you know, it's ridiculous. But, you know, there should have been something, even a, a fine, even, you know, made to apologise because it is a bad look and it, it is clear to send. Uh, and as I tweeted sort of from my personal account, you know, I thought the FFA is about protecting the respect for the officials because that was a darn disrespectful move from Alex Brosk. Anyway, let's move on. Yeah, that's enough of that. Yes. So there were some late subs made by Aloisi, and Jamie Young produced a phenomenal yeah. save to secure the three points. This is the fourth time in the last five weeks we haven't made a sub before the seventieth minute, or something like that. I had a look earlier in the week. So late subs are becoming a pattern for the Raw, which I think is again it's because he's in John's. I think he's got his best first choice eleven available, and he wants to keep that out there. And to be fair, nobody was playing that badly. I don't think there was any real need to change until the last ten minutes when a couple of players did start to fatigue a bit. 
Because it was I mean, still dangerous going forward to some degree anyway. Exactly. I mean, I think you can you can get sort of almost preoccupied by the case, sake of making a substitution for the sake of making yeah. a substitution. If the players are working well together and nobody's visibly tiring, then there's no yeah. reason why you wouldn't make that change just yeah. for the sake of making the change. I mean, it can disrupt things. You, how often do you see a player who's just come on slightly not adjusted to the pace of the game make a make a critical error yeah. and, and that can lead to a, to an equalising goal in this in, would have been in this case so yeah I, I, it's I think that's you know you have to trust the coach in knowing what his players are, are capable of on, and, and and making that call and with what the players have been doing in the last few weeks you can't really blame Aloisi for having faith in the guys that he's put out there Oh, exactly, and uh, to Simon's point, you know, it is like I said that sometimes can be a disruptive thing. You know, if they had have gone ultra offensive, try bringing on another centre back, or you know, make a shift around, what would they have done to sort of the momentum? Yeah. So yeah, look, I agree that you know sometimes making subs yeah. for a sub. Oh, so look at you know, look yeah. at the bench as well. I didn't really see anyone who come on and really help solidify things because Conor O'Toole was the only defender, and you're not going to bring him on at centre back. And the rest were all attacking options, really. So there's not much you can really bring on to solidify things. It's different when you're, when you're sort of protecting a lead. Like the changes almost have to be a bit reactive to what yeah. the other coach is doing. And that's the luxury that you have in making those changes. If you're chasing the game, absolutely. Yeah. Your substitutes bench is a, is a tactical tool that yeah. you're unable to use. But when you're, you know, when you're in, not perhaps in control, but when you're certainly in the lead, I think you just have to be a bit more reactive as opposed to proactive. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so... As he's done so many times this year, Jamie Young with a huge save late in the game. And when O'Neill was lining up that free kick, I was running through my head going, oh God, I've seen this script play out way too many times with Brandon O'Neill. But Young was paying attention and managed to pull off what was a three-point worthy save. It was a great save and a highly unpopular one at Perry Park, I can tell you that much. There There were a few people there who were very much hoping that went in. But that was a great save from Jamie Young. That's his um, 12th big chance that he's saved, oh, according to oh, the wow. stats, and uh, which does seems like a kind of a small number because yeah. he seems to pull off some really <laughs> important saves. Yeah. That would have been one of the more important yeah. ones. Uh, he's the highest ranked goalkeeper in yeah. terms of the number of saves, in terms of the percentage of saves that he's made yeah. on shots. So Obviously, we've watched a lot more Jamie Young than any other A-League hmm. keeper this season, but I totally believe that. Yeah. Oh, look, it's... The number does seem low to me as well. (laughs) But I suppose that then comes down to what classifies as a big save. Is that just 2018 or...? This is just this season. No, I mean, just from January almost. Well, <laughs> you're, you're right. Yeah, this is um, this is up to round yeah. 24. Yeah. So oh, look, yeah. he'd be he'd be close to number one keeper yeah. in the A League on form. I think it, I think most um, for, uh, supporters around the league would probably agree with that. All right, so. This was also a milestone game for John Aloisi as he became the Raw's longest-serving manager in his 81st, 81st A-League game in charge. Now, that is based on A-League games managed because Postacoglu only had 80. Yes. So that's the clarification on that stat. doesn't include Champions League and other cup games. Yes. And congratulations to Aloisi. And yeah. it was a huge win for him as well. Yeah, it is. It's a huge win. For the club generally, I mean, just to get... I mean, it hasn't been the greatest season, but if you've got a, a big win away to Melbourne and away to Sydney, it's... It's not a bad starting point. And they're still firmly in the race of the top six now with that win. That's huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's exactly right. The fact is, that's a big win against a team right at the top of the table who are having a rough patch, but it's still an impressive side. I, I think it actually, that, that win, I guess it lessens the importance of that big, of that big game against um, 
Western Sydney in you know, in round 26, where that was a six-pointer, perhaps an eliminator, whereas now, if with good results, you know, coming up, you know, starting with Wellington. Well, two, yeah. two games ago, in leading into that split round, I think we all talked about the fact that the Raw would have been happy with three points from these two games. And compared to what Wanderers did, they got four points from that. Yeah. So now, all of a sudden, they're three points ahead of where they were perhaps expecting to be going into the final month of the season. Well, five five uh, wins from the last seven as well. So we, I know we were talking about it you know, at the start of that run, you know, where there was yeah. like 10 games remaining. We said that 18 points might be enough. They're up to 15 now. So It's, it's <laughs> a good start. Hmm. It's also revenge for them ending the raw streak back in 2011. As so, you yeah. sent to Skype. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. the, one th- the one point I want to close this game off on is simply the fact that I pointed this out about that Melbourne victory win at the start of February. But yes, Sydney are having a poor run of form, but find me a yeah but with that game. Because it's a team that was five points clear at the top of the table going into that game that has been one of the most dominant forces in Australian football, and they looked ordinary against the Raw. I'll let Sky Blue Views come up with something. Well, I can find something. <laughs> oh, look, yeah, that's the thing. It's like it's it's sort of you know Champions League football's obviously catching up with them a lot, but that's that's the whole thing about Champions League. The one, that's the one thing that we, as a club, has have had to put up with is trying to juggle Champions League with the league, and obviously the almighty Sydney FC can't seem to cope either. So it's obviously a bigger problem than just you know than what people sort of make out. And not me. that it bothers me in the slightest, but that puts a Premiership plate plate race right on, on the table because it's only five points mm. now. I don't think the Raw are going to win the Premier's plate. No, no, unfortunately <laughs> not. <laughs> Alright, that's going to be it for segment one of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review. It's James, Scott, Adam and Simon here with you today. And we're going to talk about the NPL action over the weekend because there were quite a lot of games for us to take in. We're going to start on Saturday night where Scott, Adam and myself were at Perry Park to see the Raw Youth team in action. And like a lot of times when they play Brisbane Strikers, Strikers won, 4-1. Yeah, it's a pattern really. I think the Strikers really get themselves up for this game. It's the one that they, I think they almost want to win it more than any other to be honest. But it was really interesting because the Raw had a couple of players dropping back into this team, Daniel Leck and Shannon Brady and... I think it disrupted the flow of the side because the last couple of weeks, the players in the front that really clicked quite nicely and they're good players that came in. They just It didn't quite work for them on the night. So I think that kind of disrupted their flow a little bit. But strikers were good in the second half. A couple of their goals are really nice and then the Raw just ran out of legs towards the end of the game. The phrase we've used with this game quite a lot is boys against men, which you would expect yeah. from an under-20 side playing yeah, against what was yeah. a yeah. big, virtually. strong city side. And you could tell that... Strikers, but- not city. Strikers, sorry. It's, it's been a long City's day. not tall or strong. <laughs> no, they're quite good. Be Strikers like managed to outmuscle the Raw youth side, and you could sort of see that wearing on yeah. them as the game went on. little trivia note I should point out. That was the oh. first time Strikers and the Raw have played since my wedding night. So. <laughs> yes, it was, yeah. Yeah. Another but, game the Strikers won. It, to the credit to the, um, to the young Raw, they, they actually you know, really did take it to strikers. They were competitive for at least that first half. Now, nil all at half time. And you thought, you know, maybe it, the first, it was almost because the first goal was going to set the stand for the game in the second half. The problem for the Raw was that strikers went in three minutes in the second yeah. half. And that from there, it just pretty much fell away, as sometimes what youth teams do, where, you know, strikers wrestle control of the game. And that was sort of, that, that was sort of all she wrote. Yeah, two notes. I thought the Raw developed some really good chances in the first half, and 
I really saw the big deal about Raman Akbari in this game. Despite the loss, he was really controlling things for the Raw and creating plenty of chances. Look, or it could have been different if um, had had been not for striker's keeper Nathan Archbold stop yeah. uh, making that big save early. Off Maradovic, yeah. yeah, like that 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 was a time moment because they that could have again changed the game, you know. You know, that, with strikers chasing. Yeah, that so, was the Raw's best moment in the game, wasn't it? The cross mm, from Daniel Leck on yeah, the right-hand side. Yes. All right, so we're going to move on to a game that Simon uh, was involved in a little bit. I think you might have actually called this game. Was it Olympic 2, Cairns 2? Yeah, and it was a really good game to call because it was uh, it was very entertaining. I think uh, Olympic obviously were heavy favourites, but Cairns... I was surprised. I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, normally these two share some pretty exciting games. 53 goals in 11 clashes like, over the course yep, yeah. of the games. Um, the year before, last year, it was two, um, in round 19, finished 3-2 with a 94th minute penalty to win it for Olympics. So I, w- I was hoping for some goals and, and we got some. And a very impressive performance from Cairns. I mean, it was the old, the standard Jamie Carroll-Chris O'Hare partnership that did... A lot of very yeah. good things, to be honest. They were they were very slick um, up front alongside um, the new boy Josh Taylor. He was very impressive. Um, led the line very well. A striker, um, Olympic though. I'm catching my as well now. Um, Olympic, uh, they've got attacking riches to spare, and it just didn't seem to click for them for, for whatever reason. Uh, again, um, Adam Edgar coming on made a big difference, and you know, scored two goals since he once he came on. It was his first touch, I think, um, that got. One of the goals. Yeah, like, it was a good game. It was very entertaining. And it wasn't the most pleasant playing conditions either because it was quite hot on Sunday as well. <laughs> Steaming. <laughs> um, we were calling from on top of a grandstand there at Goodwin Park, um, so we have the reflected heat off the uh, metal roof. It was just... I like the sun. Uh, it was nice and pleasant to sit and watch, but to, to play to work with on it. your tan, perhaps. Absolutely, yeah. Long pants were not a good call, though, unfortunately. No. I, uh, but... Yeah, it was a good result for Olympic. They avoided defeat, making them the only side in the NPL Queensland to not lose a game so far this season. I think they need they need something out of that because, like I said, the chasing pack is starting to emerge now. So, yeah. like, and the sides that we thought would be um, sort of in the reckoning are sort of now starting to yeah. sort of yeah, it's rise to the top almost. Yeah, the cream's really starting to rise to the top now. Western Pride a big win on Saturday night as well. And that and was, that's that was actually result. a much more impressive win than their big win over Sunshine Coast because this is a real team. <laughs> this, is a, this is a real team. Walt Bay's a good side. I know they had two yeah. red cards, but well, they had two red cards. But one of like, they were already two 0 down with the first yeah. player. Um, um, Barrop got sent off, yeah. and then the last red card was Somebody's in the ninety fourth minute. Yeah. So, I mean, that's almost uh, you know you're throwing it. There's an excuse being thrown yeah. out, but really they were already yeah. well beaten, and yeah, that exactly. was a big surprise to me that they lost so comprehensively. Yeah, I, I, I thought Western Pride might win, but I didn't think by that by that margin and. No, no, I don't think the red cards saved them, really. Somewhat inconsequential. The other game that you, of course, were involved in over the weekend was Brisbane City 2-1 over Redlands. Yeah, and it's a good win for City. That's three games unbeaten for City. Uh, it was a funny game. Um, City looked in control for long periods, and then all of a sudden, in the last 10 minutes, Redlands suddenly sort of flipped a switch and, and started playing some pretty nice football. Had a big shout for a penalty towards the end. I didn't have as good a view on it as... Um, as some might have, but thank you, Mr. Venker. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it, it was um, it, it was it was a big shout. Let's put it that yeah. way, and um, it didn't go their way. I, I know the coach was very upset after afterwards. Um, although he he kept his composure fairly well, it, it, it was a 
it, it was a, it was a it was a good win for Cosmina. It was his 50th game in charge of City in the league, so uh, it, it, it was it was a good good win. And, and City looked back on track now, but still yeah. the problem will be putting chances yeah, away. Yeah, they... that's the big thing for City. Because they had a uh, hundred chances against the Raw the week before, and they just could not get the ball over the line. That was a big thing for them. And, and this is it was very similar yeah. on on Saturday night. Yeah, I've really got to get out there for a pizza night. <laughs> I can sure highly do. recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So some of the other results you've got: Southwest Queensland. Defeated Mackay and Whitsunday, Mackay and Whitsunday's Magpies Crusaders United FC 4 3. I've got to say the full team name. Yes, right? I think you've got to, it's yeah. good yeah. to do it justice. And if anyone from the club is listening, I'd love a polo shirt or something. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got Gold Coast United kicking off what's probably going to be a pretty big week for that club mm. based on some of the news that's come out this afternoon with a 1-0 win over North Queensland United away from home. Yeah, it's a big win. That's two wins away from home in a in North Queensland. That's, that's really good for them. I see. Also, we'll just uh, back on the... Was it the <laughs> Mackay with Sunday? Mackay's Crusaders. Yeah. No, he has to say the oh, okay, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Look, I think, again, they're, they're, sort of, they're second from bottom, but you know, a lot of their results have been fair and lucky. They're scoring goals. like yeah, They're competitive in every they're, game. They're, they're competitive, unlike another cellar draw that we're about to mention. No, we're not talking about them. Scott's but, not yeah. going to talk about it. Oh, I can <laughs> talk about it if you like. It just might go for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it's a good result. And what we're actually seeing now... We'll get to that other game eventually, yeah. but the table right now is very, very congested. So yeah. you've got Olympic on top on 17 points, but three sides are within, or well, four sides are within striking distance at the moment. You've got Western Pride, Morton Bay, the Raw Youth, and Lions FC. And strikers have got games in hand yeah. as well, so they'll rock up the table. I was going to well. say, yeah. and we're not, we're not going to, the problem with this table is that we're not going to really see any movement till about July because when those games are made up. So I think strikers, you know, they're down mid table, but. Two very very winnable games, yeah. which you know that makes them you know very makes them in sort of in the hunt, even though they're not in the hunt on the table at the moment. But at the moment, you do also have six clubs sitting on mm. seven points, including City, which right, that's going to make for an interesting grouping to see who's going to probably come out of that. Yeah, it really is. I think a lot of it, as we've mentioned, and I spoke to John Cosmina during the week ahead of his 50th game and he was commenting on how much tighter the league is this year and how the standards really been raised yeah. and I think a lot of that's to do with the, the the two tier so now you've got the Brisbane Premier League sides and the players who are at a good level in the Brisbane Premier League have suddenly got a state level to play at and, yeah. and that's really raised the bar and there's been a lot of there's some very impressive players yeah. and some very um, very decent players who are now playing in the, in the MPL mm. who weren't perhaps before. And, and it's made everything a bit tight. I think there's, like you were saying, Magpies Crusaders, they've been beaten a lot, but not yep. by much. No. Lions, up until this weekend, have been winning a lot, but not by much. It, yeah. It's very, very tight. And, and that's, that's exciting, I think. I think so, yeah. Three goals conceded from six games for Lions. That's a phenomenal yeah. defensive record no matter yeah. what level of football you're playing at. No, they're no, they they're going well. Like to spend, like I said, even though there was a complete blowout, I mean, complete blowout. But like I said, I think prior to that, you know, they have been competitive, like ultra competitive. And like I said, I look, I tipped them to win it. No, I think you know did, at yeah. the moment, you know, I think they're they're in with a hell of a chance. I think right now you've got twelve clubs that you could see being in any of the final spots coming up at the end of the year. Right now, you've got Mackay and Whitsunday is Magpies Crusaders United FC, who, as you said. The results aren't there, but they've been competitive. 
And you've also got Sunshine Coast FC, who have conceded 43 goals in seven games, including a 13-0 loss to Lions at the weekend. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. How do we... Now how do we yeah. we're, talk, we're talking about well, competitiveness, but unfortunately they are... They have not. no excuses either. I don't want to hear any excuses, because there's other regional clubs in South East Queensland who are highly competitive. If you look at South West Queensland, the Gold Coast teams, and Western Prime in particular, they're highly competitive. And if you want a, you want a team you can look at as a thing to copy, look at what Western Pride have done. They got thumped a couple of years ago, had a really bad season, and they've just invested in young players. And look at the team they've got now. Well, I Sun- think they're, they're the most exciting team to watch, and there's no reason why Sunshine Coast can't try and replicate that to some degree, because what they're doing right now is just it's not right. Well, Sunshine Coast has just gone downhill. Yeah. You know, they were what, state yeah. champions. Yep. Um, Three-time few... premiers, four-time champions, or something in the old state league. Yeah. yeah, and since then, their league position has got worse every single year. Um, it is a hotbed of talent up there. There are plenty of good players coming through. Look, yeah. look at um, Jez Lofthouse playing yeah. for Olympic yeah. on the weekend. He was very, very good, yeah. I thought. And he was he excelled, really, in a very disappointing Sunshine Coast side last year. Yeah. They've just got worse. They're hemorrhaging players. They're hemorrhaging goals. It's... I think Alex Smith's walked away now as well. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Good. And the other point as well, like, if you want to go down a division to the FQPL, look at Sunshine Coast Wanderers. Yeah. yeah. Like, four wins and a draw from there. Like, the way they're so. playing, they'd be bottom of the FQPL as well. The way they're going at the moment. Because they're just, they're not good enough. I, I fear for them if they yeah. go down. Yeah. I really do. Because, and, oh, I say if, when they go down, yeah. if, if something dramatic doesn't happen. Because... Mm. There are other options now, and and yeah. that's what should be worrying for. They lost their NPL women's license as well to the Wanderers, so that's not a good sign either. I th- I think it's just yeah, it's something something's happened. Like people pointed out, the first four weeks are okay. They they actually managed to pick up a win, but thirty three goals in the last three games. Fifteen one five. 5-1 on 13 or something. Yeah. yeah. And I think... I, but I think it doesn't seem too bad now. <laughs> yeah. But I, look, I think, it, as I was saying, I think it's systematic as something so deeper. Like, obviously, the, the club is in disarray. I think yeah. it's, there's there's no question. Like I said, it just doesn't... Yeah, you can't look at... Don't look at the players and the coach. It's a whole club issue there, surely. It has yeah. to be. Well, let's just quickly touch on the FQPL results. You've got Penn Power, still undefeated, 8-1 over Wide Bay. Sunshine Coast Wanderers, 2-1 over Holland Park. Southside Eagles, 3-2 over Mitchelton. Logan Lightning, 6-0 over Ipswich Knights. East, 6-0 over Rochdale. And South, 3-0 over Capalabar. That was last night, That wasn't was it? last it was. night. Yes. And Apparently there was some diving going on from the South players. You believe the Capalabar Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> it's right. worth following yeah. the Capalabar Twitter yeah. account if you don't already. It's, um, They're good value. Yeah. Mm. Um, just a quick word on Penn Power. You say that Sunshine Coast might be bottom of the Football Queensland yeah. Premier League. Ben Power would be at the pointy end of yeah. the National yes. Premier yeah. Leagues if they were yeah. in there. They're a very, very good side. And I think they're probably going to be pushing to be competitive as soon as next season. And we should also mention in the NPLW, you've got the Raw NTC, 2 0 over Gold Coast United. India Paige Riley, that's seven goals in five games yeah. for yeah. her. So She she sounds yeah. like she's a very exciting prospect, you know, for, for not only to the Raw NTC, but also perhaps even going to um, the women's calculations, the, the, the W League yeah. side. I think I'm sure Mel Andretta will be you know, keeping an eye on her because they're seven, seven and five. That's a that's an awesome return. It's, it's the one spot in that W League side that could use some. Yeah, exactly, well. yeah. Which is funny because for Gold Coast um, United, you've got Meg McGilligan, who I, I saw um, mm. in the flesh a couple of weeks ago out out at Gatton, who was just scoring goals for fun, and, and Gold Coast were an okay yeah. side, I thought. So. That's um, That was a good result for the Raw. And if you're just looking at the table in that league as well, Western Pride are a team worth keeping an eye on. 22 goals for 18 against in six games. So probably going to be guaranteed some uh, 
action in those games. Yes, yeah, so I think South have got two players from the Raw out there as well with like, Amy Chapman and Aisha Norrie, so that's another side you can go and watch as well. That's right. All right, so some of the round eight fixtures. You've got Friday, Redlands versus Strikers. And then you've got uh, Brisbane City against Sunshine Coast. Have fun with that, Simon. Thank you. <laughs> Don't lose count. <laughs> Pride versus Southwest Queensland. North Queensland versus Cairns. Gold Coast against Mackay, which is Magpies Crusaders United. I can't say that tonight. <laughs> anyway, Moreton Bay versus Lions, and the Raw Youth are playing Olympics. So yes. a few of Logan, guys, the first game out Logan. Yeah. So. A few it's... of these guys might see a familiar face at left back for Olympic. He made the team of the week, by the way. Oh, congratulations to a certain uh, former Raw left back. Always got to keep an eye on some yeah. of the ex-players floating around yeah. NPL. Yeah. Um, just a quick word as well. Gold Coast United, um, Magpies Crusaders, Sundays, whatever. Um, they're <laughs> going to be playing at Meakin Park um, due to something to do with the Commonwealth yeah. Games down yeah. at Station Reserve. Yes, I believe the uh, event ban might be kicking into place in and around Gold Coast coming up. Which probably is probably using it for staging something. Yeah. yeah. So. All right, that's going to be it for segment two of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. James Scott, Adam and Simon with you tonight, and we're going to move on to segment three and talk about the news and start off with, I'd say, the biggest story to come out of the Raw this week, which is their Logan training complex is now open. Yeah, it was officially open down at Logan. They had a big event down there. It looks amazing. I can't wait to get down there on Saturday for the MPL just to have another look at it because it does look amazing, and it's the club's been needing it for so long, and now they've got a place where they can train and play their youth games. It's going to be an amazing facility for them. It actually gives them a fairly big advantage because... I don't think there's too many other clubs in the league who've got a facility to that level. I know a couple of them have got their own now, but I don't think it's quite that level. They, they have a home. And, and it's been staggering to me when, ever since I moved to Brisbane from the UK that like that, there was no home for Varora. It just sort of just appeared on match days and then disappeared again. Half a dozen different homes, really. Exactly. And and it just... I, I don't know how you, as a club... I mean, the success that they've had in spite of not having a home, has been sensational. So to actually have everything in one place, um, Football Brisbane have moved in next door as well. Um, it, it's it's going to be a fantastic centre down there. And, and like you said, I can't wait to get down mm. for a game there. And we should also say thanks to the players for giving us an unofficial tour of the changing rooms and whatnot on their Instagram feeds. Yeah, thank you, yacking it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go check this out now. <laughs> and, and, also, and also as well, look, look good like Illumina as well. I know uh, managing director David Puray posted a photo of the lights on on, on Monday night. So, yeah, look, uh, we're, we're going out there Saturday nights for the Olympic Games. Enjoy so that. I've been rostered off for another Saturday shift. Yeah. <laughs> I hope the lights continue to work unlike certain other NPL clubs. <laughs> Without naming names. <laughs> but lots of other NPL clubs, yeah. <laughs> To be fair, there's a few. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it's good. They've got a home, and, yeah, we'll get to see a base for a few games there as well. Yeah. Obviously, like, we mentioned this before with the construction, it is to the very, very south of Brisbane, but you've got to go what, with what's available, and, look, if it's a good enough facility, people will go to it. I, look, I think where the training base is, is doesn't necessarily make a huge difference. I think, like, yeah, it would be different if suddenly they were going to build a huge stadium down there and then say, hey, guess what? We're still the Brisbane... South Brisbane Logan. South Brisbane Raw, Logan yeah. Raw, yes. Magpies throw in there. <laughs> um, Please who knows? Um, but no, I, I think it, it, it's it's great. It's, you know, they've obviously been getting, 
got a pretty good deal from the local authority down there, and that's that makes a lot of sense as well. You've, you've got to go where the money is, yep. um, especially for A-League clubs that are, you know, aren't necessarily blessed with cash. Uh, it, it, it's a huge advantage to them, like you say. Like I think this is a really big deal, and it, it can only be a good thing for the Raw. Oh, look, at the end of the day, it's a, place, it's a place to call home. And at the end of the day as well, the Brisbane Roar, they play their home games at Suncorp Stadium. That's, that's their home on match day, but it's good to actually have a, um, a place where they can call themselves home. That's right. So we're going to move on now to the Raw Academy attaining a two-star status. They're joining Newcastle, Perth, Sydney, the Wanderers, and Central Coast in that category. So yep. I guess that's good. The highest category available, apparently. I really don't understand the categories. I think there are three stars that you can get, but it's that's you won't see that in Australia for a fair while. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought. Um, I expect to see a few other A League academies yeah. get that two star accreditation. Melbourne City is the obvious name missing from that, given what they've invested. But that has to be still in, still in development, though. Haven't they already built their facility though? Oh, I, I think they built their facility, but it still is in development. I think yeah, I think there's certain there's certain criteria that yeah. I couldn't couldn't seem to find online. Uh, it seems usual with FFA at the moment, but um, yeah, look at the end of the day, two star, highly regarded, cool. And this is the first stage of of an accreditation system for all academies uh, around Australia, and and I think a lot of like the, like I said, uh, the A League clubs, I think they'd have to work pretty hard not to get two stars if if they were going to have an have an academy. Uh, this is from what I understand, uh, and then other academies around Australia will then have the opportunity to be accredited once the A-League clubs have been assessed. So, uh, but it, it, as you said, it, it's a good thing for the Raw to have, in, even if it is just like a couple of stars on yeah. the side of a wall next to the next yeah. to the entrance to the academy. It, it's still an internationally accredited And it is a good system. facility they've got there at QUT. It's a yes. fantastic mm, facility they've got access to. It makes me want to go to QUT more than when I was a student there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to some player news now. And the curious case of Corey Brown. He hasn't been in the squad for a very long time now. No. With the rumours of Melbourne victory obviously circling. Scott, do you feel like he's played his last game for the Raw? I kind of think he might have unless something changes drastically in terms of injuries to Franich and O'Toole. Because I think the Raw have got to settle back four right now. And I think Jonathan's quite comfortable with that. And... Seems like they don't. Something's happened between Corey Brown and, and the, the coaching staff, or something, because he's fallen so far out of favour. It's it is interesting. I'll also say he's on 99 appearances as well. So if you could get one more, that would be fantastic. But he might not get there based on current standings. Oh look, yeah, I think it is. It, it seems like it might be. He might play his last game for yeah. the Raw. Um, it's, but it also seems to be a trend sort of starting to develop around the league as well. It's not, it's not just, you know, Corey Brown is, you know, is our favour with the, you know, the Raw coaching stuff. Like, we see it at Melbourne, Melbourne City, yep. you know, with uh, Ruan Tonglik and um, yeah, Bruce Kamel. Uh, same with Tarek Elrich at Adelaide as well. It seems to be that even though, like, they're talented players, they're not getting game time because there's rumours over their future. Uh, I think that's exactly right. There's obviously something going on behind the scenes regarding a move, and I think that's... Yeah, I think you'd be hard pushed to see him see him take the field again. It is the Raw's player of the year for Marshall. So that's it's the a extra, very surprising part. It would cap a very strange career yeah. for Brown, where he was a whipping boy for a lot of fans for the early part of his career. Grew into a phenomenal season last year, and now this year he's following the well-worn path of Brisbane Raw to Melbourne victory. Just <laughs> Queensland-based players down yeah. to Victoria, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably another conversation, though, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> we could be here all night naming players. Who've done that move. But 
I suppose if you are going to look for the silver lining there, it does open the door for someone like Connor O'Toole, who has been an encouraging mm-hmm. youngster, to potentially yeah. get a little bit more game time. That's another player that we'll need to lock up long term as well. Yes. He's done, he did really well when Dave, he came in. Okay. A few I think a lot of people up. were surprised by how well he did. Yeah, I was yeah. very impressed with him. Yeah. I have been very impressed with him this yeah. season. Yes, that's right. Uh, Dane Ingham, he's been named in the New Zealand squad for friendlies with Canada, uh, which will be coming up this weekend. I think it's Sunday morning Australia time in Spain. In Spain, yeah. okay. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Why oh. wouldn't New Zealand and Canada play in Spain? <laughs> Why wouldn't they? Uh, I guess the, the positive part it sounds like even though I change of coach, uh, anyone, no, I don't. I didn't. I missed the name of the new coach, but um, that guy. Yeah, <laughs> it looks like he's he's in the reckoning at least. You know, in the plans of you know going forward. A um, few interesting omissions from that New Zealand team. No, Costa Barbarusis. He's busy um, repairing things around victory, and um, <laughs> and Chris Wood as well. Uh, so no, but I think yeah, I don't know if they're out of favour or it's just experimentation where like all oh, whites can do what they want really. Four and years we... till they play the next really meaningful game, but mm. experimentation. Yeah, and we should also probably point out that Australia and Colombia are playing in London. So exactly. <laughs> yeah, why not? We're going to move on now to the RSF fan survey, which came out. So this was something that was conducted in late January, I believe. Uh, in... I think it happened when I was in Dubai. Not so. a clue. In the <laughs> in the hysteria after the Champions League exit. So they finally released some of the uh, stories to come out of that survey. And Adam, you had a couple of takeaways from it. Yeah, look, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure the sort of the real effectiveness. I know we said discuss it briefly, and sort of I will. I think, I think the one standalone I take out of this is that you know if there's a if there's a reason not to give the fans a voice, unfortunately, some of the respondents in this in this survey is actually a good reason for that because it's like the ideas, the sort of the vagueness, sort of, almost the ignorance in part. You know that of these respondents, it's almost like saying, "Geez, you know, do you do your research?" You know, there's a few things. There's some good questions there as well. But look, I think you know, it's it's all nice and well good. The you know, Royal Sports Federation doing that, but look at the end of the day, I think they're playing a lot bigger space than they really should be. You know, and look, it's nice to have to have the view out, but you know, effectiveness is going to be less than naught, I'd say. Well, I had a I had a couple of issues with it. I think it's good that they're actually trying to you know, source information from the fans and try and collate a lot of the opinions into one clear document. But for me, like, the, some of the questions were a little bit loaded towards yeah. providing a certain answer. There were 300 respondents, which, look, I don't blame them for one bit because you're just working with what you've got. It's not a bad sample size, though. Yeah, it is, what, consi- that, all things that, considered. Uh, there's two, th- two and a half thousand members, 300, what's that's yeah, I failed yeah. math so nicely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is why we're talking, not yeah. working with calculators. Yeah. Yeah. But also, as I said in the introduction, it was conducted straight after the Asian Champions League when the fan base was probably at its most hysterical. And it probably was, I suppose, a little bit weighted towards getting that, you know, out there reaction of, you know, yeah, the whole club my, my, my view on that, I think, I think a few questions, like, other than the, asking the questions for the sake of it, I think the purpose, of, I think it's, I think it's beyond them. It's, I said, there's not, there's things here like asking questions about what, about the FFA and what, I know, I know people are frustrated with the whole process of FFA and their control, governance of the game, but I think Raw Sports Federation should be, you know, looking after the Raw's interests because at the end of the day, if you have support, supporters across the league, you know, saying the exact same thing. They're looking at their own agenda. So, look, I, I, I sort of I question the effectiveness of some questions. There's some good questions in there as well. And it does also show that 
you know, I'm I'm going to go back to my Star Wars phrase here. You can't oh, even no. get people to agree on whether or not those movies are good. How are you going to get everyone to, yeah. you know, get behind one idea on a football club? That's just me anyway. <laughs> Alright, we're going to keep going because I get the feeling Adam could probably do an hour on this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, we did say briefly. That's yeah. as briefly as I'm going to get. Uh, the A-League managerial cycle has claimed another victim with Paul Ocon departing from Central Coast. Yeah, it seems like this has been building for a, for a fair while and it was after a, a brief meeting, um, we've been told, um, with the owner <laughs> um, where uh, he was given a bit of an ultimatum and he said, well, okay, well, I'm off then. And <laughs> that's pretty much, pretty much yeah. how it's gone down. Seems like a meeting you go to as the owner knowing what's going to come out of it. If you're going to start issuing ultimates on these are the sorts of players you can recruit. It seems like you've already made your decision what you want to do. You know, I, was, I was reading on Fox Sports. Apparently it's centred a bit around um, Harry Ascroft's transfer to a Maltese club, which I have no idea and I'm Maltese. So, <laughs> <laughs> so and appa- and apparently it's supposed to be some um, like if some players come the other way. So I think it's stemmed around that. I think in, but recruitment in general and yeah, I just think he, he seemed to be un- he seemed to look unhappy, you know, for the last, you know, like, well, yeah. To be fair, when the only club you've beaten since December three is Wellington, you probably would be fairly. Yeah, but that I too. think yeah, it came to head, and I think he just said, "All right, Matty, yep. ultimatum, I'm gone." And it does kind of show, like he did get, I would say, a pretty light ride considering the results that he's produced yeah. over the last two years, because he has tried to bring through young players, and it does to me bring it back to the raw show you can't just put your faith yeah. in one age group of players the first year he had no opportunity to recruit because he came in so late and Tony Walmsley had done all the recruitment anyway I think this year's recruitment was okay but didn't really work out he's I just I think it didn't quite work out for him down there how much is he regretting letting go Roy O'Donovan <laughs> yeah if he could have that time again yeah. perhaps yes <laughs> I think he's um, fanciful if he thinks he's going to get the Sydney job though I don't think that's going to happen <laughs> I'd love to see it happen, but <laughs> yeah. The the one big note I have against Paul Oak on is the fact that he did play horses and went straight for the cliche after they did beat Sydney FC. But that's just me. Alright, uh, Matilda's Asian Cup squad. We've got to give congratulations to Mackenzie Arnold, Tamika Butt, Emily Gilnick, Katrina Gorey, one-time podcast guest, Claire Polkinghorn, <laughs> and another podcast guest, Haley Rasso, who are all named in the Westfield Matilda squad for the upcoming Asian Cup in Jordan. So we're all well represented here. It's a really strong squad, isn't it? There's a lot of a lot of really good players in the squad. They should be right up there competing in the semi-finals minimum of this. But you, I don't want to lose sight of what's more important here than winning the Asian Cup and it's qualifying for the World Cup. That's what matters. If they don't make the World Cup, it's a massive, Ooh. massive disappointment. Wow. I expect them to do so. They're only going to get out of the group to achieve that, but they're more than capable of winning this tournament with the squad they have. Oh, I think they should be expected yeah. to win this tournament. I think you know we, we need to start accepting that this Matilda side is a very, very yeah, strong side. And I don't think results quite went their way um, in the... Algarve Cup. In the Algarve Cup, sorry. They experimented thinking... a fair bit in that tournament. It, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And and that's what these tournaments yeah. are for. You know, it's it's, it's not necessarily the be-all and end-all, whereas qualifying for the World Cup is. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, Raw, as you'd expect, well-represented. I think the joke was with the Melbourne... Um, Melbourne City Brisbane Raw game at Perry Park is the only time you're going to see international football after <laughs> recently. So, uh, and, and uh, as you'd expect, they're very, very good players. They've played very, very well together, and they're some experienced players. I mean, and Claire Polkenhorn is just since such such a good player. And yeah, like, I have to say this on any medium that I yeah. get the opportunity to, because watching her is is a real joy. Like she's such a great player. Her form so, over the last twelve months has been unbelievable. It's been yeah. incredible. So yeah. yeah, I mean, congratulations yeah, from from myself in particular for her like this is a fitting reward for um for a really really great season. 
Absolutely. All right. Speaking of international football, Brisbane is set to be snubbed for the Socceroos' farewell game. <laughs> Admittedly, the rest of Australia is probably going to be snubbed as well, so that does make it a little yeah. bit more bearable. We did have Alex from the Queensland Socceroos fans on last week, and yeah, it doesn't appear to be there's going to be a Socceroos' farewell game because Bert van Marwijk has decided that it's going to be a bit redundant flying everyone back to Australia for a game and then flying them back to Europe. Yeah, that's not exactly a great sign for the A-League players thinking we might be in the mix, thinking fly everyone back. <laughs> that's, yeah, but I, I think it makes sense if you're over in Europe with the majority of your squad, yeah. train over there and play a couple of European opposition ahead of the World Cup. It's a, it does make Czech, sense. Czech Republic and... Turkey, I think. Yeah, yeah. I did hear some... Turkey's, oh, Turkey's a training train, base. Yeah. yeah, Czech Republic and... Uh, I. I don't know. I, I did hear. I know there were definitely one that were in the in the mix as far as, but also yeah. as well um, about this, the farewell game. Apparently, the only nation that was worth even having was Venezuela. I who, heard Ireland in Perth, but then Perth, the government decided they wanted Chelsea versus Perth Glory. Yeah, but the thing, so. the, the, sort of the hyperbole around this, a lot of complaining and that about not having a farewell game. Look, you know, at the end of the day, the Bert last Van, two have been rubbish anyway. Yeah, the Bert Van Mal. Like is is the coach? He wants to his way. And look, are we gonna be complaining that we didn't have a farewell game, but we can get the best possible chance to compete in the World Cup in Russia? Like I just think. Think you know, back to four years ago, the South Africa game at home, which there was what thirty thousand people there, and it was a non-event. Yeah, no. it's it's hmm. it's be nice, but it's more important they do something at the World Cup. You're chomping at the bit, Simon. <laughs> no, no, I, don't, I, I totally agree. Like you know, it's all well and good. Saying, oh, let's have this big farewell game, and isn't it going to be great? But you're absolutely yeah. right. In terms of player preparation, it would be a disaster yeah. because you're not going to fly everybody. Over. This is the reason why we're playing in London and why we're yeah. just playing a, a match in Oslo as well. Like this, yeah. this is the reality of having European-based players predominantly making up your squad, yeah. and and yeah. a World Cup being played in Europe. Why would you just fly everybody halfway around yeah. the world? It doesn't make any sense. And and as disappointing as it is for the fans. Yeah. I mean, we were never going to get it in Brisbane anyway, so yeah. it doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. And I don't think I'm going to be able to get the time off to fly to wherever it was going to be anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, look, it's disappointing, but for me, you've hired Bert van Marwijk to give yourself the best chance of progressing through the World Cup. Let him make that decision. Yep. If he didn't want to bring everyone back, fine. Like, I think he didn't even want these two games either. He would have loved the training camp for a week, but they already locked in for him. He, so. was, he was quite a saying he prefers training camps yeah. rather than so seemingly meaningless friendly. So. And based on the reports coming out of Oslo at the moment, he's working the squad hard. Oh, yeah. Bloody cold, apparently. So <laughs> We should also mention the two Socceroos games. It's Saturday at 3 a.m. Yeah. Brisbane time. Yep, okay, I'm rostered on. <laughs> And then it is Wednesday, 4 a.m. Brisbane yeah, time. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah, get the alarms, get the coffee, get the no-dos if you have to. The coffee doesn't work at 3 a.m., trust me. <laughs> get the no-dos then. Yeah. And uh, going back to some local news, Michael Zapone had this last night oh, saying yes. that the FFA is set to adopt the plus one uh, international rule this About year. About time. And it's going to be uh, one Asian player as part of five international. Yeah. So it'll be a four plus one, not the... Three plus one that we're using in the Asian Champions League. And I League. hope clubs do their research and go and find some talented players in Asia because there's plenty of them out there. We're seeing it in the Champions League. There's players out there who you can attract here who can and lift look, the standard and make can, a good contribution. And you've already you go beyond just the, the traditional, you know, Korea, Japan, yeah. you know, and whatnot. Like, go go further field. Get a, get an Iranian player. Get a yeah. Saudi yeah. player. Like, yeah. Like, like Mohammed Adnan, what he did when he yeah. was here. Some of the uh, Thai players as well have uh, been really all, good. All I'm going to say there, it's, it's about time. Yeah. It really is about time, and they want it, and you want to link it to the um, sort of the Australian clubs in general's failure in the Champions League. It's automatically you get that fourth player now. If if it's mandated that you have to do it for the A League, then you know what those clubs that are participating next year, it's already going to be there for them. And also, look, just from a, I suppose, 
PR perspective, it is going to help Australia integrate to an AFC that has been quite... Yeah. That might not have felt like it's a total give-and-take oh, relationship. definitely feel it's a one-way street at the moment. Oh, absolutely. It's hard to argue with them. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Australia's ignored Asia far too long, and it needs yeah. to start rectifying yeah. that, and this is a good step to do what's doing that. It underrates Asia as well as, as a and competition. As we keep getting reminded every Champions League stage as well, there are some very talented players in Asia, so yep. you may as well make the most of it. We saw a couple in the Champions League game, actually, even at Cusack. Yeah, absolutely. Decent yeah. players that night too. Yep. Yeah. And and they're out there, and this is the thing. And it's yeah. about encouraging clubs to start expanding their scouting networks, and frankly, get away from this lazy approach of just yep. recycling um, overused talent um, for have been sort of going making well, an easy also, living from the also as well, just getting away from this whole. Oh, you either go to Brazil or Europe. It's, as well, yeah. because that seems to be where all these scouting it networks. It goes in cycles, doesn't yeah. it? We've had the Dutch here, and now it's the Spanish here, and whatever the next will be. And on that point of recycling as well, like the guys that were around in the early days of the A-League, they're getting on. They're not going to be able to play that much longer anyway. So you might not have that safety in it people, of the people players. People like David Carney, for example. Yes, that was actually the name that popped straight into my head. <laughs> All right, we're going to close out the segment with a quick mention of the FFA Cup. Simon, you've got some extra duties coming up for your club as well. <laughs> yes, yeah, so um, Capalabar away for uh, Brisbane City. That's a tough tie, like yeah. going down to the kennel, with Bulldogs yeah. being yeah. unleashed. And uh, I hope you've got some uh, sharp-witted Twitter responses ready to go. <laughs> I, do you know what? I'm going to have to start upping my game, I think, because that's, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm going to be able to compete with that. But, I mean, there's some really interesting other ties yeah. as well. I mean, the one that stood out for me, like um, I did the draw with Rafe, and mm-hmm. uh, the one that leapt out of me immediately was Peninsula Power against yeah, Redlands because yeah. I swan we on, will be there for that. That could be five all that because that's too really attacking. But yeah. it's a, it's a big few weeks for a couple of clubs who've got ambitions to go to the national stage. Cities one strikers. I think Western Pride should be desperate to get there given what they've produced. Yep. They could make a really. I think I think even Pe- even Pen Power yeah, even down Power. The FPL, like they and they, Redlands as well are capable with yeah. attacking wise anyway. They're capable of getting there. It's just defensively they might need to. Absolutely, I mean, Kabayama's been sensational yeah. for Redlands, and um, he's going to need to be against Peninsula <laughs> Power because they're a big, strong side. Like, um, I saw them uh, a couple of times in pre-season, and they're just... They're very, very good. Yeah. They would not look out, as I mentioned earlier yeah. in the show, they, they would not look out of place in the NPL. Um, Nick Dibbs didn't seem too worried. Uh, he, I mean, he, it was a wry smile when I asked him about it on Saturday. But he, he made a very valid point. If you're going to need to get past these yeah. teams if you're going to get to the, the pointy end of this competition. So uh, that's yeah. a good one. And um, Western Pride have never won a match in the um, FFA Cup. So yeah, back in the beach now, now never. Yeah, good, yeah oh. good luck to Mount Gravatt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and also we've got... Uh, so full ties are available online. I'm not going to read through every yeah. fixture purely no. because no one wants to hear me talk for that long. <laughs> but that'll be on the NPL website, I'm assuming. Yeah, so, so I, do you know I haven't seen it actually, but yes, I believe it'll it be on Facebook. Football Brisbane's website, I don't know that football much. Football Brisbane, yeah, there we go. I think and they're playing at 4th and 11th of April, so. There we go. All right, now our studio audience, I believe, has dozed off again, so we're going to take a break, <laughs> wake her up, and we'll be back to preview the Raw's game this weekend. This is Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. Second of the Brisbane Football Review for the DFS Fan Network. It's James Scott, Adam, and Simon, and we're going to lead off with some plugs. Adam, 
Alrighty, <laughs> that's on the leak. Um, so on Facebook, we are the Raw Review. So search for that on Twitter at Raw Review. Uh, podcast, obviously on Wishka and iTunes. We're still so working we're... on that YouTube thing, by the way. Yes, we are. Um, and also as well, the uh, the email. Yeah, yeah. Football review at gmail.com and uh, fan cams uh, for one final victory Hope. lap on two weeks' time, is it? Hopefully, the... a victory lap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Simon, do you want to plug some stuff too while you're on? Oh, why not? Yeah, so <laughs> Brisbane City, um, Brisbane City FC, yeah. um, the accounts on Instagram, Twitter, yeah. and Facebook. Um, most of the stuff that I do goes on there, which is. <laughs> You know, take us that as to what you what you want. As long as you don't get your personal and uh, business account mixed up. No, rarely, <laughs> rarely. <laughs> um, um, my personal is Simon underscore Smale on Twitter. Um, you can normally find me on the roofs of stadiums around. <laughs> Which games are you calling this week? Um, this week I am calling the Gold Coast United versus Mackay Magpies Crusaders Wit Sundays. All of them, <laughs> um, who incidentally are looking for a national anthem singer. So if you're in Mackay, check um, out their yeah, yeah. Check, out, check out their Twitter because um, why wouldn't you want to sing a national anthem in exactly. front of them? Mm. That's awesome. Now there was actually a news story that we did miss in the last segment. That's on me. And Gold Coast United are likely to be putting their hat in the ring to come back into the A League. I think this is. This is an interesting one. I don't think this is a massive surprise. I think no, even no. when they announced their MPL, seems kind of inevitable, didn't it? They bit. get to this point. Yeah. Absolutely, and I've, I've, I've read through some of their some of their press releases that they announced when they first announced that they were returning, and they mentioned the A League then. Uh, whether or not it's a good idea or not, what's important to note is this is a very different. Gold Coast United than the um, Clive Palmer incarnation. Uh, this is a club that's very ingrained in the community. This is very ingrained as a as a ground up club. Uh, they seem like they've getting been getting things right down there. Uh, I'm actually disappointed that they're not playing at home this weekend. Um, <laughs> so that I'm calling um, a. Um, a neutral game, a yeah. neutral venue, yes. So I mean, that's slightly disappointing because I'd be keen to see see what yeah. the setup's like down there. Um, they do have a couple of things in their favour. One being, of course, a rectangular stadium that's of a half decent size. The caveat to that is they could never fill it when they were in the A League before. Um, interestingly enough, the opening game of the MPL, the, the opening home game of the MPL, was the had game, a bigger yeah. attendance than. 33% of their games in the A-League um, or something like That's that damning, which is that, just a, yeah. Yeah, a damning reflection on how bad crowds got there but crowds are always fairly bad on the Gold Coast I don't think the yeah. Titans get no. the crowds that they should get the certainly sun. the Suns don't uh, the Gold Coast's a sporting wasteland too much realistically there, there, really? exactly and really the Gold Coast you know is, is made up for those of you who don't know if you listening from some faraway land um, is really a collection of different areas and it's just a, a it's like describing just it's a, it's a region the Gold Coast is a region and it's I think it's sometimes difficult for people to identify as a region they'd much rather identify with Surfers Paradise or yeah. Palm Beach yeah. or and my big thing about it also is like yes it could work if they get the community engagement right but as you said like the there's just too much else to do. Like, can you imagine they've got a 435 game against the least interesting club in the A League, Wellington? That's my opinion. <laughs> Where they've said, 
like you've got a four thirty-five game against Wellington on a Saturday. It is a beautiful sunny day. You're sitting on the beach and you go, "Do I really want to go out to Rabina, or I can just stay right here?" While you're at your house and you're thinking, "Do I want to go to the beach or do I want to go to yeah Rabina for the game?" It's 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 that is a tough thing down there. You've for got the tough competition. summer as well. Yeah. I, I and I think there are bids that would get a look in ahead of yeah. them in this particular area. Like, and I think that's. Yeah, yeah, that's I think, a shame, but I think that's the reality, unfortunately. I, th- I think for, for me, it's probably a case of maybe too, you know, too far too soon. I think they yeah. don't just reincarnate. Look, I, th- I think that A-League might be very ambitious, yeah. but certainly, as we've said about a lot of these bids, if they're serious enough, second maybe division. the second division yeah. might be the place to start and earn their way to the A-League via yeah. Let's not go into promotion yeah, I do think it's, an, it's ambitious, and I like the ambition, but mm. I think there's a couple of clubs in South Queensland ahead of them. Brisbane City, for one. Maybe the Strikers, if they bid ever amounts to anything. And even Western Pride would be a better option than that for me. I think that's a... They're in the mix, but I think they're slightly down at the pecking order. But as far as I'm concerned, the more options they've got to choose yeah. from, the better. That's yep. just where I well, absolutely. Get. I think the more options there are, the more competition there is, yep. and the, the higher standard the, the, the accepted bids would have to be. And, yep. and like you say, that can only be a good thing. Um, the community engagement, though, it, it is a big one. And I think the stadium is a big one. I think yeah. that's what they're looking at more. So, I mean, it'll be interesting. But yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, it, it, it's a wistful, sort of optimistic yeah. idea. But again, that could be something that might not be in the next round of expansion, but it could be coming up soon. Like I said, as I, just quickly, as I said, you know, I think the last time we spoke about expansion, it's time that a lot of these bids actually finally put their monies where their mouths are and actually you know, be serious. And it's yeah. good to see that Gold Coast United, no matter how it goes, at least you know, they can at least be credited for actually going for it and being ambitious. Anyway, the last A-League game on the Gold Coast <laughs> actually featured this weekend's opponent for the yeah. Brisbane Roar. Star Wars round. Yes, uh-huh. that, was, that was fun for me, at least. That was about the most entertaining thing in the game, actually. <laughs> and I'm Hinksy just so give... gutted I missed it. <laughs> yeah, and Hinksy and I'm not even a Star Wars fan. Yeah. That was the most interesting thing to me. And the quiz at halftime with the fans as well. It was, um, yeah, not a great day at Rabina. You're just jealous you didn't get asked to be out there involved in it. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, 0-0 at Rabina after what was a manic 3-3 draw at Westpac Stadium yeah. in round four. But... Yeah, the fortunes of both clubs have changed a little bit since then. The Roar are, as we mentioned in segment one, on a streak of five wins in seven games, and now almost in a position to control their own destin- destiny when it comes to a finals race. This would be this is a really, really big game for the Roar in the sense that all year they've had big wins and then they've not managed to back it up with another result afterwards. They have to go to Wellington and get the three points here because there's no more time to, to yo-yo. They have to keep going here, and I think... Wellington are improved so as well, so it's going to be a more interesting game because I think with Greenacre the last couple of weeks, they haven't won, but they've been better. Like Against Newcastle on Saturday, they were much more competitive. So I think if they could keep that up, this could be a very close game. But I think the Raw have to go there and win. It is a Wellington side that is now officially eliminated from finals contention as well. Yeah, and, and that you know that has its own sort of impact, I guess, on, on the motivation of the players. But then you start thinking about contracts for yeah. next year and, and that can be, you know whether or not you like it or not, that can be a, a more motivating factor yeah, or, or a higher motivating factor for, for a lot of players. Um, hunting for back-to-back wins at Westpac for the first time since January 2017, Wellington are. So, I mean, that's a, an incentive as well. Um, but the Raw have only lost one of their last seven games against Wellington. They've only won one of the last five in Wellington, though. 
well, yes. they've taken competition points from all but two yeah. of their last nine. Have we got a start off here between. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. That, that's all I've got. <laughs> I can keep going. I can keep going. Not too much. I can see. You're not a fan um, <laughs> of no, Wellington, and, and that's, I, I think. You know, that's probably reflecting their league position. Um, they've got average for lowest attendance, lowest yes. um, average possession of any team this um, oh, wow. year as well, 44%, which isn't great. So you, at least you don't have to watch them with the ball too much. Because they're all out to play without the ball at the moment as well, so it's going to be interesting. <laughs> Who knows? They're just going to kick it to the referee and let him hold it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not a fan of Wellington. I've long said that they're, the, for me as a fan, the least interesting opponent in the A-League. But, look, at, at the end of the day, this is probably the first time in a while that the Roar have come into a game with a clear expectation that they should be the better yeah. side here. I think so. I, mean, I think they should be the better side here, and they should be winning this game. They are, they're a side-hitting form at the right time, it seems, and if they are going to do anything this year, you have, they have to go there and keep this momentum up. There's what, four games to go, I think it is. They need to win all four, really, to make the finals for me, and I think this is a game they're more than capable of going there and winning, given the form they're in. Well, right now, the way the, uh, the table's structured, the Raw can find themselves in fifth place at the end of the weekend, or as low as eighth, depending on results involving Perth, Wanderers and Adelaide. So, quick bit of numbers here. The Raw are on 28 points in seventh place. The Wanderers and Adelaide are both on 30 points, and Perth are on 26. So, the only thing in the Raw's favour in that front is the four teams they play the rest of the way are all in the bottom half of the table. That's so that's true. encouraging for them. But, yeah, just quickly, so Adelaide are playing Newcastle, uh, the Wanderers are playing Melbourne City, and Perth are hosting Melbourne Victory, because uh, Perth That's, always get a home game. <laughs> yeah. Look, I think this it's, it's sort of, um, it is a banana peel-style game for the Raw. Like I said, their, their record back-to-back games, and this is a game that, you know, if they're not switched on, they're not... You know, they're not sort of... You know, what happened last time if they start slowly in Wellington, what can happen? Exactly, so. and like I said, you know, I don't know if getting out of a 3-0 hole um, can work, you know, especially this is a, this is a much better, uh, you know, Wellington team that is actually, you know, like I said, you know, Chris Greenacre's going to have a motivator for, you know, to be to play spoiler, and yeah, look, I, I expect the Raw to win, but geez, you know, it wouldn't shock me if there's something went wrong. And this is where it all comes back to John Aloisi as well, where... Like, his managerial skills should have the raw up and firing for this game. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a, it, his and the raw's performance last week was a triumph of his coaching. Yeah, and uh, like, but you know, one swallow doesn't make spring, and you need to kind of, you know, you need to back that up yep. now against and again because the the trap is oh yeah, it's only Wellington exactly. Mm. You could, you can't fall into that trap in this league. It, if you do, they won't they'll yeah. come back with nothing. Absolutely. And, and the and problem is as well. History's also said that it's all it's not only tough going there, but coming back afterwards that there's been a lot of flat performances. You know, coming home from Wellington, so they, they've got to be on guard for this. That you know, they keep continue the momentum. You know, they, they beat the champions. They've got to keep continuing the momentum. Otherwise, any talk about finals may be quickly dashed. The away form has been excellent this year. Mm. Like, that's the one thing in FA yep. as well. Three of the last four away from home. That's given the home form. That's important as well. Which you never would have thought looking at the draw at the start <laughs> of the season, but like the fact that Brisbane have got so many away games thanks to the Commonwealth Games and whatnot. It's actually going to work in their favour now. Yeah, it's it's funny how sort of the, the you know the chips have fallen really. Like it's interesting. Yeah. The last couple of years, it's been the home form that's really carried the Raw mm. under Aloisi. This year, it's completely flipped. That's right. 
All right, I think that's about all the blood we can draw from yeah. that stone about the Wellington game. <laughs> Let's close it off with predictions, and I'm going to say a 2-0 win for Brisbane. Scott? 1-0 Brisbane. You're going to go for the goal scorer? Do I have to? No, but okay, I, was just seeing if you, to. I was just seeing if you were going to double up after no. last week. Adam? No. Uh, 2-1 Brisbane. should point out Adam is actually leading our tipping competition, and the <laughs> fact that all three of us have picked the Raw, I probably jinxed them. Simon? <laughs> I'm going to say 3-1 Raw. 3-1 Raw. Okay. All right, that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Simon, thank you very much for making your podcast taboo. <laughs> no, thanks very much. Thanks for having me. It's been a real pleasure to come in. Oh, hopefully we haven't scared you off. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Good luck with your calls this weekend. Thank you very much. Everyone, get out and uh, enjoy some local football this weekend. We'll be back next weekend to discuss the Socceroos, the Raw, and probably a whole lot of coffee that will have been drunk next Wednesday. <laughs> thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you then.